You're listening to a podcast from the Queen Mary Centre for the History of the Emotions. We've created this series of short audio pieces to introduce listeners to what we do. As historians of emotions, we look to the past to understand our feelings in the present. In this episode, David Saunders takes anxiety as his starting point and explores the incident of the golden syrup with some truly disgusting sound effects. Sometimes, historians of emotion can encounter scepticism about what tiny moments of feeling, gleaned from notebooks, diaries and other documents from the archive, can actually tell us about the experience of living in the past. Yet such moments can be illuminating tools of discovery, challenging our assumptions about well-known historical periods and forcing us to consider them anew. Anxiety is an emotion perhaps uniquely well-suited for this. On the evening of Tuesday the 17th of October 1939, Eminent British biochemist Robert Alexander McCanst watched in horror as across the dinner table, Betsy, a 24-year-old graduate student in his department at the University of Cambridge, took a jar of golden syrup and, with her fingers, ate its entire contents. The next morning he recorded his alarm and disgust in his notebook, jotting it down alongside notes about calorie intakes and urine analyses. Damn her, he scrawls on the page. Since September that year, McCants and his scientific partner Elsie Widdowson had been running an experiment testing the effects of restricted diets designed to simulate the conditions of a future war-torn Britain. In this dystopian scenario, an enemy blockade at sea had forced the population to survive on an unappetisingly beige selection of potatoes, root vegetables and wholemeal bread. They hoped to reassure nervous government officials, journalists and members of the public that a scientifically designed rationing system would not produce the kinds of physical and mental deterioration glimpsed in reports emerging from the malnourished territories of Nazi-occupied Europe. But this attempt to lay other people's fears to rest produced anxieties of its own, not least in McCants himself. Betsy's behaviour that Tuesday night appeared to inspire a profound change in him. His notebook, once a relatively dispassionate recording of results, soon became a catalogue of fears and frustrations related to Betsy's every word and action. He recorded in great detail incidents that concerned him, her complaints about the size of meat rations, her predictions that the diet would mean she'd catch the flu, and a string of thefts involving missing roast potatoes and stale cake crumbs. And yet, it was the golden syrup incident that continued to weigh most heavily on McCants' mind. So much so that he even included it in a report of the experiment's results sent to the Lord President of the Privy Council in February 1940, communicating his momentary twinge of anxiety about a young woman's delving into a pot of golden syrup to some of the most important and senior political advisers in the country at a time of global conflict. For McCants, this was more than just a momentary lapse of self-control. Rather, it revealed how a particular section of the British public might react under the stresses of the war to come, a group that he called sensitives and neurotics. McCants was here tapping into a much older anxiety about neurosis and its impact on national health. 
Between the First and Second World Wars, neurosis dominated many discussions in medical and psychiatric fields, from the shell shock epidemic of the trenches to the rising tide of psychosomatic illnesses across the country. Neurosis, panic, and collapse morale were persistent worries for politicians and policymakers throughout the 1930s. As hostilities worsened in Europe and a highly destructive air war looked increasingly likely, a number of government committees were convened to plan for the anticipated fallout. One such committee predicted that, following a campaign of civilian bombardment, there'd be three to four million psychiatric breakdowns, far outstripping the number of actual physical casualties. With these fears of a chaotic collapse of civilised behaviour in mind, the Golden Syrup incident takes on a different appearance entirely, with Betsy's syrupy gorging offering a small glimpse into the potentially devastating loss of self-control that had been predicted for the best part of a decade. That Betsy was a young woman of 24 is also important. In focusing on her pursuit of immediate gratification and pleasure, McCancer's anxieties chimed with ongoing discussions about the moral standards of young women on the British home front. Social purity groups such as the National Council of Women warned that the conflict's potent mix of fear and excitement would make sexual indiscretions all the more likely, particularly between young women and the increasing numbers of soldiers, refugees and prisoners of war stationed in the country's towns and villages. These anxieties helped to make sense of the oddly erotic charge present in descriptions of Betsy's behaviour during the experiment. McCants frequently noted her power and influence over male subjects, often encouraging them to join her in overstepping their daily rations. Even when she played by the rules, McCants interpreted this as something seductive, deceptive and reckless. She made a big effort last week, he notes derisively on one occasion, partly exhibitionism, I dare say. By grounding McCants' concerns in these much broader wartime anxieties about widespread nervous breakdowns and collapsing sexual norms, we can see that the Golden Syrup incident was never really about experimental rules or results. Rather, such moments forced wartime investigators like McCants to consider a potential future of social, moral and medical catastrophe. If we think of anxiety as a kind of fearful anticipation, as a worry about an uncertain outcome, we can begin to appreciate just how tricky it is to inject it back into our histories. After all, we know that the Second World War ends in victory for Britain. We know that the flood of psychiatric breakdowns never arrives. And we know that the population never has to weather the ravages of starvation. But by focusing on moments of intense feeling, particularly those which, like the Golden Syrup incident, initially seem strange and confusing to us, we might gain an entry point into a world that is yet unfixed and undecided, a world in which everything is still to play for. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Queen Mary Centre for the History of the Emotions. It's part of the Living with Feeling project funded by the Wellcome Trust. We hope it helps you feel better.